Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and I'm excited to welcome Kenny Vaughn on the show today. Kenny is the author of a tremendous book, one that we'll be talking a lot about today, titled The Right Fight, How to Live a Loving Life, and is the founder of a business called Shields of Strength, which produces inspirational jewelry and dog tags with Bible verses inscribed on them. Kenny is also a popular voice for Christ on Instagram, so if you're on social media, be sure to follow his page at John Kennedy Vaughn. Kenny, thanks for taking some time to be with us today. Uh, you're welcome. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And Kenny, I had the pleasure of reading your book, uh, The Right Fight, How to Live a Loving Life. And I would love to hear from you. What led you to write such a powerful book on the topic of love? Well, uh, the first thing I always like to, to just throw out um, the beginning is that I'm trying to... Um, I'm trying to clarify what a word means that we all have our own definition of, mm. and that being love. So even in the title of the book, I was um, I did everything I could to keep the word love out of the title, just because it, the way what people see as love was not what I was talking about. Mm. I wasn't talking about romantic love. I wasn't talking about the feeling of love. I was talking about what love really is. And then the reason that I I wrote the book was because forever I thought love was something that it wasn't. Mm. And when I realized what it really was, and I started fighting to live a loving life, and it was a fight for me because it, it wasn't what I, you know, before I just did what I felt, you know, whatever I felt was right, I did it without really taking a little deeper dive as to, into what the truth really was and what was truly best for someone else. Mm. And so to now try to live a loving life, which is selfless, doing what's truly best for others, um, then that was a fight for me. It didn't, it didn't come so naturally. Mm -hmm. But the fruit of living the loving life in my life was like so undeniable. I mean, all my relationships got better. My, my, everything I did, it, it made me a better athlete, made me a better uh, business in business, father, neighbor, everything. So um, when I realized that, I wanted to share it with my children mm. and uh, my children were really young at the time and I, I wasn't sure they could uh, comprehend, you know? So I just thought, you know, God forbid something happens to me before I can share this with them. Cause I don't know anybody else saying it. Now I, I don't uh. know what house would they learn this? Um, I, I'm not saying there aren't other people saying it, but not around us. And so I wrote it all down so that if anything happened to me, they would have it, you know, mm. that some, that it, that, and I felt like if I could turn enough lights on, they could find their way from there. And so that was, that was why I put it on paper. And then it was seven years later of just going back and forth. I kept revising and updating and um, just keeping it fresh yeah. uh, for them. 
And then at some point, I don't remember why, I think I shared it with a few people and I started sharing it in some uh, churches and things with the illustration of the tree and the roots and how all that worked. And mm. I got requests for that and eventually made your book. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing, Kenny. I think it is you know, so awesome even reading through your book, seeing such a biblical perspective as well. You took the you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and broke it down um, into into fear and love and just using those attributes to really describe. Um, you really just illustrated that so well. So I think it is such an awesome way to look at love. And I do think, kind of going off your point of how do we understand the definition of love, because there is so much confusion with that word. I mean, so many people have different definitions. Oftentimes in our culture, it just translates to acceptance. Uh, so I'd love to hear just kind of what your definition of love is uh, from a biblical standpoint. So um, first of all, I would say that love is something. It's not everything, mm-hmm. and it's not anything. It's something very specific. You know, God's Word says, if you know love, you know God. If you don't know love, you don't know God, for mm-hmm. God is love. And so what does that mean, right? Um, the whole world knows that love is the answer. Mm-hmm. I believe that's because... We're created by God in his image to love and to be loved. Mm. And so everyone knows love is the right thing and selfishness is the wrong thing. Yeah. You don't have to teach. You know what I, mean? I mean, they just, they know that. Yeah. So everyone desires love, but the corruption comes whenever, well, if we believe that love is something it is not, mm. then we'll, we'll fight for our own destruction and for a lie. And so um, I, I, I don't like saying I have a definition of love. I think the truth of what love is, because I don't define it, I think God does. But mm. the best way I know to put into words simply of what the truth of love actually is, I believe love is actually doing, not a feeling. Mm. If you look in Webster, it's going to tell you a feeling, strong emotion, physical attraction, all these things. That's not love. Mm. Um, sometimes those are fruits of love. But love is the root, and the and the root is doing what is truly best, not what they want, not not what feels good. I mean, sometimes love is very hard. Sometimes, I mean, if I love you, I do what's best for you, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. What I believe is truly best for you. So, love is doing mm-hmm. what is truly best for someone else, without regard for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus did, yeah. right? I mean, he. He laid his life down for us. And then John 15, 13 tells us greater love has no one than this and lay down their life for their friend. Mm. And I don't think that means lay down our life for selfishness and foolishness, but for, but for what we believe is truly best for someone else. Mm. So just summing it up, um, that's the best way I know to put it into words. Yeah, no, absolutely, Kenny. And I think even reading that as I, as I went through your book was so profound and understanding that you know, love isn't always easy. Uh, love is, is challenging. And, and I think you, you look at what Jesus did through his life, uh, very little of what he did was easy, um, but it was all loving. So um, even just the yeah. way you put, you put that as transformational. Yeah. I would even add to that the most loving things we ever do are never what we want to do. Mm. And the kind of lo- what, what I thought was love before I realized what love really was, I thought love was, was a feeling. So it was what I really wanted to do. And if I didn't really want to do it, if I didn't really feel it, then I wouldn't do it. Mm. So I wasn't loving. And, and, but, but just think of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. 
before he went to the cross, he says, if there's any other way that this can be accomplished, any way that this cup can pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Mm. Right. So like he did not want to go to the cross, but he knew that, 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 that was the only way and that that was what was best for us. And it was with no regard for his own life and his own self. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I would say now I think I realized that it's the, <laughs> the most loving decisions I ever make. I don't, I don't really want to make them, but because it's going to cost me something or may hurt me, but it's mm-hmm. truly best for the other person. I am not talking about, I get, I get a lot of feedback on this. I'm not talking about helping somebody hurt me. Self in a selfish way. If someone is selfishly hurting you, you're failing to love them by allowing or enabling that Mm. because selfishness destroys the selfish. If you say you love someone that you allow or participate in hurting you, they're destroying themselves. Mm. The selfishness is going to destroy them. They're hurting you. They're destroying their own life. Selfish people destroy themselves. So if you love them, you don't help them do that. So loving someone is, again, doing what we believe is truly best for them. And it's never best for them to be selfish. Yeah, uh, that's very well said. That makes sense. It does make sense. And and I think, too, processing that is is so helpful, right? Because sometimes love is just like, oh, I can, like, let this person do what they want to me because uh, it will cost me something. But that's not not always the case. Um, So being self-aware, too, and having people around you is something I always say is have some smart brothers and sisters in Christ around you that can help you. You know, kind of walk through those situations if you're in a, a tough relationship with someone who's uh, selfishly hurting you, as you kind of mentioned, Kenny. It's very well said. Yeah. Love will stop selfishness long before boundaries ever will. In other words, mm. these lines that I draw to protect me from you, if I love you, I never need those mm. because long before those are ever needed. In other words, if I see that you're even considering being selfish. And I'm not talking about all the little one-offs. I mean, we're all selfish all the time, Right. but if someone is persistently and consistently selfish in the same way, especially if they're abusive or any of that stuff, mm. the moment we see that surface, if we love that person, we step in right then. Mm. Like I, at all costs, there's no way I'm going to help you do that because yeah. it'll totally wreck your life. So it's not for me, it's for you. Yeah. I just get protected in the process. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Kenny. And Kenny, in your book, you talk a lot about the opposite of love is fear. And we're talking about selfishness. What exactly does it mean to fear and live a fearful life? Well, for clarity, we all fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least everyone I've ever met, and I certainly do. We all feel fear. Yeah. So, But the question is, do we follow fear? Mm-hmm. And when we feel fear, we have a choice. So in other words, and people can hurt me. There's lots of, there's, there's just so many reasons I can feel afraid. So but what I'm referring to in the books, I'm saying if you live a fear-led life, that means you follow the fear you feel. Mm. And when you do that, you become these eight things that love is not, which is angry, envious, boastful, prideful, uh, delight, you know, uh, selfishness, delighting in evil. I mean, fear fully developed actually delights in evil. Mm. So um, that's what I'm trying to say in the book. And basically what I'm saying is fear will always look out for itself. So fear wants wants if you follow the fear okay so fear wants you to be selfish when i'm afraid and i act on the fear that i feel i'm going to do what i believe is best for me without regard for you Mm. but if though i feel the fear 
I choose to love and I can, mm. then I still do what I believe is best for you without regard for me. Mm. And so I think, you know, most of the most loving acts we ever see, you know, Medal of Honor stuff, you know, all, all those things are just selfless sacrifice. If you, you know, you talk to those people, you think in your mind, you're thinking they were fearless and they were just uh, so something we don't understand. But when you talk to them, they're scared to death. Mm. You know, I mean, like they knew they were going to die. They were sure they were going to die. Yeah. In some cases they do, you know, but they, they valued someone else more than themselves and they went anyway. And so love is the decision to go anyway. And I also like to say about fear is that we all fear it, feel it. We shouldn't ignore it. Mm. I think love, I, I would say that love runs to fear, not from it. Mm. So when I feel afraid, I run to it. And I don't run to it to embrace it. I don't run to it to fight it. Fighting fear is a trap. I mean, the harder you fight fear, the worse it gets. It needs your attention. It needs that to grow inside of you. But we run to fear to find the truth. One of the seven things that love is, is the truth. So I run to fear because I want to understand and know the truth. truth. Many times when I run to it, I find that what I was afraid of isn't even real. It wasn't even true. Mm. Or maybe I find that it actually is true, but I understand it better in, in, in a way that now I know how to approach it or how to deal with it but that we don't follow it. We don't make our decisions based on the fear. We choose to make our decisions based on the love. It's very well said, Kenny. And I think I, I love how you close that out because sometimes fear is so difficult to, to kind of handle. You feel it, you're sensing it. It's like, man, how do I press into this and navigate? And I think the way you put that is so powerful of you can confront it in a way where you don't choose it, but you can understand it and you can even see that it's not uh, really the right decision. It doesn't have power over you. Um, and, right. and I think that's a great way to look at and, it. Yeah, and confront humbly, right? So, I mean, when I, I used to, when I was fear-led, I confronted fear very boldly. And I'm not saying things were wrong with bold, but, like, um, fear always pretends to be a monster. Mm. Okay, so in other words, whenever I felt afraid, I would try to become this monster that was bigger than my fear. Well, I was becoming what I despised. You know, it's like I'm trying to use fear to conquer fear yeah. or I'm trying to trick myself into believing I'm bigger and stronger. Love does. That's not how love approaches fear. Love sees it. It feels it. And it humbly approaches just to and wisely with your eyes wide open. And it's like, OK, I don't understand. Help me understand, you know, and, and or you, maybe if you don't have someone to ask, you pray and you dig a little deeper and you see what's really going on. So you humbly approach and um, and that you come in wisely. And then if you see that there's real truth that needs to be addressed, you address, you address it in as loving way as possible. And then you have the strength to overcome. Mm. But when you when you become the monster, you. Um, you know, you're not what you're pretending to be. And eventually that all that house of cards comes tumbling down. Mm. Amen, Kenny. I think it's a great picture of understanding that the reality of fear um, and really sometimes that we think we can fight it with, with fear versus fear. And it just, it just doesn't work that right. way. Um, and Kenny, I think a lot of our listeners can feel challenged with living a loving life because it is difficult with our flesh and with ourselves to know how do we de defeat the, or fear and live, live a loving life on our own, under our own strength. And in our network, uh, professes faith in Christ, follows Christ. 
what role does a proper understanding of God's love play in living a loving life? Well, I would say if you read the right fight in the book, I, I try to bring it full circle and, and reveal this, but mm. I, I don't know how anybody would ever live a loving life without Christ. Mm. Um, and and it's and our true understanding of love comes from who he is. And when we dig deeper into who he is and what he did and how much he loves us. Mm. And and I think it's so important to understand that that what we get wrong so long so often, and I got wrong so long in my life was um, I had this belief system that believed that God loved me because of who I was. And so if I was the right thing, he loved me. And if I was the wrong thing, he didn't love me. And, and that's all fear. <laughs> and I'm afraid God was not, God doesn't lead that way. And he doesn't love that way. Mm. What I had to end up learning was that, that God loves me, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Mm. So God is love. And his love for me is without repentance and not based on me. Now, my life changes when I love God. Mm. So God's, God loved me before I ever loved him. But it's when I loved him that my life changes. Now, it's his love that made the way for me to love. But when I come to understand God's love for me, then I become empowered mm. to love. And then I get convicted to love. And then I, then I'm actually able to see, it's almost like I had, you know, blinders on forever. And so I just went wherever I felt. I was just feeling my way around, following my feelings everywhere they took me. Mm. And when I come to, came to understand God's love for me and his true love and his sacrifice, the blinders came off. Now I could see clearly and I didn't follow my feelings anymore. I followed the truth where mm. it took me. So I don't know how anyone loves without him. And um, he gives us the power to love. And then though he gives us the power, all of that, we still have to make choices and decisions. Yeah. And those can be hard. You know, I, I, I like every day I battle that. Um, and my wife, you know, consistently be telling me, Kenny, you talk about this love stuff all the time, but just look at yourself. <laughs> and, and I'm like, <laughs> I know, I know, I, I repent. Yeah. You know, so repentance is my greatest friend and my and my only hope. Mm. But um, but the more you live it, the more you see the fruit of it, the easier it becomes, the more obvious it becomes. But um, it's a decision. There's seven things that love is. There's eight things love is not. They're in the book. They're all in First uh, Corinthians 13. Mm. And so our responsibility is to be those seven things and not those eight. And uh, mm. I'm pretty good at being the eight sometimes. I think we all are, Kenny. It's it's so challenging. Um, but to your point, I think we are empowered by the love that Christ has shown us to live that loving life. And I think for our listeners, you don't have to do it on your own. And I think we always think that, that that's the case, that it's all on us, and God's kind of just, to your point, looking at us, waiting for us to fail, and is going to be mad at us when we fail. And that's just not a proper understanding of who God is through Christ. Uh, and I think once we do understand our security in Christ— and we get our vertical relationship right, our horizontal relationships become a lot stronger. Uh, not perfect, but a lot stronger. And to your point, we all need to repent. Um, and I, th I think as we continue to understand what love truly means, we'll have a lot of areas to repent. Uh, even reading your book, I felt so convicted as I was reading through the chapters, like, man, that's me, that's me. Uh, but it's a good thing to, ha to have those realizations. Um, and, but I do think having a proper knowledge of, of an identity of who you are in Christ 
uh, leads you to understand and be empowered through his spirit to live that loving life um, that is so powerful. Um, so, And Kenny, kind of looking now at, at, at really the fruits of living a loving life. You talked about the, the seven things love is, eight things love's not. What is the fruit of living a loving life? So it's, it's, it's the fruit of the loving life is purpose. It's better. It's the relationships around you are, um, are stronger and better. It's the feeling of love. Mm. Um, it's, it's, uh, I mean, everything in your life is better when you live a loving life, everything, all your relationships, Mm. everything you do is, is better for loving but I, I think it's so important to say that not always, you know, I mean, we can, we can live a very loving life mm. and still things can happen to us. Um, there's lots of ways that we can lose our fruit, if you will. And by fruit, I just mean, you know, um, you know our, our joy, our peace and, and the things that, I mean, our joy should be steady, but sometimes it's, it's hard to keep keep yeah. it keep it alive so yeah. um and and what's critical i think to point out when we talk about the fruit because when i first started finding my way around in this area started trying to love then it occurred to me wow if i just love i'll be fruitful mm. and so then i had to realize that if i loved for the fruit and you may have to think about this a second it took me a while to, to process it but it, that if i love for the fruit i didn't love at all just meaning that if if I love you to get something, I don't love you, I love me. Mm. So what I'm trying to say is that living a loving life is the best possible thing anyone could ever do for themselves. Mm. But if they do it for themselves, they don't love. Mm. Yeah. Right? So just as an example, let's say... Um, there's a great example that I hear very often in support of self-love and I'm not in support of self-love, but uh, I believe love is selfless. Um, But the example that everyone uses is that you're on an airplane, the mask fall down. You got to put your mask on first so that you can help the people around you. And if you don't, you can't help it. How how are you going to help everybody else if you don't help yourself? And so the, their analogy is, if, you know, in life, if you don't love yourself first, you can't love anyone else. But I would say if you love yourself, you you actually can't love anyone else. Mm-hmm. So in the analogy, I would say this, putting your mask on first does not reveal who you love. Why you put that mask on first reveals who you love. Mm-hmm. And if you put the mask on first so that you can love the people around you, help other people get their mask on, yes that is love. It's not self-love. It's actually love. If you put your mask on to make sure you get a mask and maybe somebody else doesn't, that's self-love. And if you want to know who you love, you need to ask yourself, what are you going to do if only one mask falls down between you and the person next to you? Mm. Are you going to put it on or are you going to help them put it on? That reveals who you love. But in your, in the question about the fruit, you know, do we love for the fruit? If I put the mask on my neighbor so that I can be a hero that's loving for the fruit. I don't love my neighbor. I love myself. Mm. We have to ask ourselves, why are we doing what we're doing? And God sees the heart. I mean, I think this is why you can see where, where God's word tells us you can do all these things. You can have faith that moves mountains. You can have 
um, I'm losing. What else is it? You, know, you prophesy and have faith to move mountains. You can, um, I can't remember the scripture of all things. <laughs> but anyway, so, and, and then it goes on to say, you can even give up your body to be burned at the stake and have not love. And if you have not love, you don't know God. But if you read this scripture closely, it says, if you give up your body to be burned at the stake, that you may boast, then you have not love. Mm. So you gave up your body. So I used to ask myself, how, how in the world could somebody give up their body to be burned at the stake and not love? Like that's, that's sacrifice yeah. that you may boast. So, I mean, if you do what you do mm. for the wrong reason, then you lose love. Mm. But love is selfless. So love is... If putting the mask on first means I can help other people get their mask on, yes, I'm putting my mask on first. Mm. But if there's not enough to go around, I don't get it. You do. If I love you. Yeah. Kenny, that is powerful. And I love, you just really pointed out the heart is what truly matters. Um, the actions do yeah. matter, but it's the why behind what we do that, that really right. matters. Um, and that is challenging, and, and I think we, we really, as followers of Jesus, need to analyze our hearts um, and, and pray that God reveals our hearts, because sometimes we miss that. We don't always think about, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, why, why do I have this podcast? Why are you on this podcast? Even things like that. What is the ultimate goal? Uh, I, I think sometimes we can really miss that. And, and to your point, you can go and be burned at the stake, but if you do it to boast, you don't love. I think that is very convicting for us to process. Um, so right. I, I do, I, right. I do think that's a, a great way to look at the fruits of living a loving life. If we do it just for the fruits, we love ourselves. Uh, it has to be completely selfless. So, right. Yeah. And if you do it for the fruit, you will work so hard okay, mm -hmm. to, to create the fruit in your life. It may be winning. It might, it, it could be so many different things. Okay. I, I, for years I chased winning. And so the fruit was to win, but it, it was, there's no way that that was going to work. So, I mean, it wasn't working for me. So, so the, if you do it for the fruit, you destroy the roots in your own life. And the reason you destroy your roots is if you work so hard for that fruit and someone takes it, they hurt you, they're rude, any of those kind of things, you, instantly you're going to become the eight things that love is not. Angry, rude, envious, boastful, prideful, all those things. So now you're cutting off the source of what created it to begin with mm. in an effort to get back what was taken from you that's probably already dead. Mm. All right. In the case of the fruits, you can't put it back on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a lot. It's well yeah, said. It's good stuff. It's well said, Kenny. And, and Kenny, a follow-up, talking about the, the eight things love is not, I would love to hear just what are the signs that a person is living a fruitless and fearful life? What does that look like? The person living a fruitless and fear, fearful life, um, pride is probably the, the first sign. Mm. Um, like, because you're, you're, I mean, you're either, if, if you're living a loving life, you're truly humble yeah. and you're grateful. Yeah. And then if you're living a prideful life, then you're, you're projecting strength all the time. Mm. You know, fears, that's why I was saying a while ago, fear becomes a monster. So fear is always projecting strength. It's pretending to be strong. So it's, it's just puffed up. And it talks down on people, all that. I used to think that that was some form of strength, but it's really not. It's weakness. Yeah. And, and it's an effort to cover that over. And then from there, 
there's all kinds of fruits of those eight things that, that the fruitlessness is broken relationships, um, broken relationships at home, broken relationships at work, broken relationships on your team. You know, it's, uh, it's superficial. Everything's superficial. You know, no one, no one's looking at the roots of what's really going on here. It's all superficial yeah. and it's, um, pretending to be something that, you know, you're not. Mm. And so, but it's, it's a, and fear fully developed. So once we become angry, rude, envious, boastful, prideful, we become these eight things that love is not, mm. you know, anyone like that, that's a fruitless life. And then they become very aware that they're fruitless. And so they dress their own trees all the time to try to appear to be something they aren't. Mm. And then in the end, if they stay there, they're what that they, everything that they dress when it gets taken, taken from them, they start buying the lie that their fruitlessness is everyone else's fault. Mm. When in reality, it's their own fault. No one else is making them angry, rude, and they may make them feel anger, but they're not making them choose to be angry mm. and so or, or follow their anger. So mm. they're the only ones that are responsible for being angry, rude, envious, boastful, all these eight things that love is not just destroying all the fruit in their life and all their relationships mm. and everything that they really would like to be. But, in the end, they believe that's everyone else's fault because mm. people hurt them. Yeah. And that I think that's why in the end, fearfully developed delights in evil because it's, it hates everyone mm. because it's become blinded to the truth that it's its own worst enemy. Mm. That's a profound view of a fearful life, Kenny. And I think we see that so much in our world right now. And people always and ask, and this isn't exactly sports related, but why is there so much evil in our world why are there so many things happening right school shootings and these other things and I, i've seen you talk about this on instagram before of just exactly what you said right it's that fearfully developed delights in evil um, and that is an unfortunate reality but it does i think uh, speaking on this topic shows how important a loving life uh, in christ uh, truly is um, to really bring right you know th those fruits into our world every yeah every shooting i believe is for the same reason I've never heard anyone address why these things happen, but there it's, it's always someone that, and we all get hurt. Okay. But some people get a hurt a whole lot more than other people get hurt. And people do talk about, Hey, they get, they got bullied or whatever, but being bullied, we all got bullied too. People don't shoot up schools because they're bullied. Yeah. They shoot up schools because at some point after being bullied, they're trying to, they're probably were trying to live a loving life at some point. But they kept getting hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt until mm -hmm. finally they said, you know what? This is the fatal mistake. They say, you know what? From now on, me first. Mm -hmm. I'm putting me first. And then they start becoming angry, rude, envious, boastful, prideful. And I'll tell the truth that they become these eight things that love is not. And then if they live in that and they that's why they're always so quiet and everything else, because they're not revealing to everyone else the storm that's raging in their own hearts and minds. And they live in that long enough. They are suffering to the point they really want to die. I mean, there's, there's no fruit in their life whatsoever. They probably are somewhat aware that some of it's their responsibility, but in all truth, they believe it's everyone else's fault. So they don't care who they kill on their way out. They're losing. Like they took up the battle to put me first and they lost. And we always lose that battle, yeah. but they think everyone else has killed them. They want to die. They think everyone else has killed them. So they're just going to take as many people as they can.
with them on the way out. It's a, it's a nightmare in every shape, form, or fashion. Yeah. And there's an answer for it, and but no one's talking about it. Yeah, it's so profound. I mean, and the answer is it's so clear, and that's why I love this topic, and that's why I think it's so important for young people, whether you're in the sport industry, whether you're in healthcare, whether you're in whatever it is, it's vital to understand how to to live a loving life through Christ, not perfectly, but to live it in a repentant way. Uh, where you're understanding what love is truly. Um, and, and I love that you care so much about this topic and talk about it um, so much because it is so important in our day and age, no doubt about it. Yeah. And Kenny, for a lot of our listeners, uh, the, the, the long-term desire is to be a leader in the college and professional athletic space. And in your book, you talk about what it really means to be a leader that leads in love. So what does it look like to live a loving life as a reader. And if you don't mind kind of talking to as well, what differentiates a boss and a leader? Okay, so um, a boss is the fearful. Now, it's kind of like the word love, okay? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's some people that get called boss that aren't bosses at all. They're leaders. Um, everybody just calls them boss. Yeah. So, but, but in the true sense of the word, a boss is the fearful leading by fear. Just meaning that um, they're afraid. They won't confront their fears. They won't run to their fears. They won't. They won't flush out the truth. They're prideful, mm. and so what they do is they they keep everyone under their thumb, and they boss everyone. Like they tell you what to do, and then they use fear to get you to do it. And fear does motivate people. By the way, I mean lots of coaches use fear, but wherever fear motivates it also destroys mm. and love will motivate far more than fear ever will. And where love motivates, it also builds. So a boss is the fearful leading by fear. Everyone underneath them understands if they do this, they get this. If they don't do this, they get this um, good or bad, whatever it is. And, and a leader is not something that someone actually seeks to be. They may desire to be a leader, but a true leader is someone who loves the people around them in such a way that everyone wants to follow them. Mm. And so bosses make people follow them. Mm. Leaders just end up with a following. Mm. And, and so if you want, and I'm not saying we shouldn't desire to lead. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's like playing to win. If you play to win, you're going to be led by fear. If you play to be the leader, you're going to be led by fear. You're going to be constantly trying to make sure everyone's following you. But if you will just love the people around you, the leadership part will take care of itself. You'll find yourself in a position of leadership. And leadership is a responsibility to the people or to serve the people around you so that they can be their best. Yes, to challenge them to be more because it's best for them. Mm. It's like whatever is best for my teammate or for the team that I'm coaching or whatever it is that I'm doing is that they live a loving life and that they do everything, they, that they bring everything they have to the table. That's what's going to fill them. Mm. Um, so I challenge them to do that. But, but for them, I don't shame them into that. If I'm shaming them, then I'm bossing them yeah. and I'm trying to use fear to manipulate them. And when I do that, not only do I damage them, I show everyone else on my team that they're next if they do the same thing. What happens when you do that is everyone ends up being, look. everyone is left looking out for themselves. 
Mm. It's like, so when you mess up and it looks, and I look bad for what you did, I'll mm. throw my teammate under the bus so the coach doesn't come down on me for what you did. But in an 11 organization, it's not like that at all. We all pick yeah. the guy up and we want to go, okay, what, what did we learn from that? How do we get better? Yeah. That's so well said, Kenny. And I think fear is so commonly used in sports. Uh, and I don't know why that is, but it's such a common tactic by coaches, by players. Um, and so it's so challenging to, to be in an industry. And a lot of our, our professionals are coaches, they're administrators, they're marketers, they're equipment managers. They're in these support roles around the industry. Uh, and it's so challenging to be surrounded by that. And how do you, you know, live this loving life when, when you're involved in that? And I think it's to your point. Of, of being someone that people want to be around uh, because of how you carry yourself and living that loving life, some of the things we've been talking about throughout this episode. Um, so I, I do think it's very, very well said and very, I think, powerful to process that, of how a loving life can even reflect on the, on, on the sports field or on the court. Um, it's, it's, it's such a, it expands to so many areas of our lives, uh, which is so powerful. Yeah. So the light shines brightest in the darkness. Mm. So, I mean, living a loving life, and this is not the easy way out. The reason everyone chooses fear to motivate is because it's the easy way out. Yeah. In other words, it's, I don't have to take responsibility for anyone around me. I can just, this, you do this or you get this or you do that or you get that. Mm. And I don't care about you. Like I don't take any of the emotional, um, toll, none of that. I don't, mm. I don't care about you. All I care about is winning. Mm. And so, and so now I've built it. And, and because almost all teams do that, whoever leads with the most fear wins, yeah. but until they come against a loving team mm. and listen, the difference is day and night. Now I'm not saying that amateurs can be professionals because they're loving and the professionals are selfish. And I'm not saying amateurs are Pros are selfish, and I'm not saying that. So, but what I am saying is, if if the teams are remotely similar mm. in ability, and in most most cases, I would say that's the case. You know, yeah. especially at the professional level and everywhere else. Uh, you know, physically, they're pretty equally matched. You have a couple of really stand real standouts, but not enough to offset if one team is loving and the other is selfish. Mm. Doesn't tell you who's going to win, but it's it's hard to beat love. It is, mm. It's just so hard to be. It doesn't come undone, and it never stops because mm. it's not playing to win. It's got a higher calling. It's like to win, I'll give all I have, and it'll never be enough. Mm. But for God and others, I'll give more than I ever knew I had, and then winning becomes my destiny. Mm. And so now I talk about that in the book, but yeah. yeah. Fear is rampant, and it's destroying a lot. It destroys lives, and it, mm. um it, it, it teaches young men. I've been in a lot of uh, high school locker rooms, and uh, mm. it's it's sad, you know, what mm. I see in there a lot of times. Um, and they're teaching these young men to live fear-led lives. Mm. And uh, when there's when they could, they would be so much better, so much stronger. Everything, yeah. If they taught them how to love, yeah, yeah, Kenny, and it is so powerful to process this too, and I think reflect on how we sometimes lead. I mean, all of us have our spheres of influence in our lives. All of us are in positions, regardless of where you are in your career, where we have leadership positions. How do you handle the individuals you're leading and, and talking through and, and teaching? Um, and, and is it more of a, of a loving life? Is it more of a fearful life? Um, and processing that. And that's why I think this is so important 
um, to talk about because it does feed into so many areas of our lives um, as, as we've talked about. And Kenny, in your book, you talk about something I think is so important and so sometimes misunderstood. Is You talk about how fear can actually cripple us, right? You, t- you talked about more of an athlete perspective. Fear can cripple athletes and professionals really in any industry. Talk about how does a, how does a living life allow a person to really be at their full potential? Well, if I play to win, then I'm afraid of losing all the time. Mm. Uh, but if I have a higher calling than winning, then that and, and that calling is love mm. for God and others, for my teammates or, or whatever it is. You know, why do I want you need to ask yourself, why do you want to win? And if you want to win because you believe it's going to complete you or for yourself um, to be better to all these things that, you know, if you think there is no second place and winning isn't, isn't, isn't the one thing, it's the only thing, um, then fears rule in your life. And you're going to use everyone around you to try to accomplish your mission. You're going to destroy all your relationships in the process, the whole nine yards. And, but if you, if you have a higher calling than that, Mm. then, um, then, you become more than you ever knew you could be. But just as an example, I'll never forget. I was watching a World Series. Uh, I don't remember the team. So forgive me. It's in the book. But but Lance Berkman is, uh, you know, he wasn't on the Astros anymore. He'd been there for years. Mm. And I knew nothing about him except that the guy was just insanely clutch all the time. It's like, just like, you, just, you know, anybody else, two strikes, ninth inning, it's like, you know, game over. Mm. Uh, but if Lance is up there, he's like, no, this job is about to find a way to get a hit, you know. And so it's World Series, the same conditions, and I'm just I'm watching the game, and uh, and I'm just thinking I will not be surprised. Like there's no guarantee he might strike out, but I will not be the least bit surprised if he finds a way to get a hit. And sure enough, he gets a hit, drives in the tie and run. They go on to win the World Series. But at the end of that game, they interview Lance, and the the guy asking him the question says, "Look, Lance, and this is the fear. This is what fear would be thinking. Okay, so he says, "Look, Lance." It's the World Series. You've never won a series. You got two strikes. You got a man on second. If you can get a base hit, you can drive in the tying run. So much pressure. What in the world were you thinking? And when he said that, I was like, I got chills just remembering it right now because I was just, my wife sitting next to me. I was like, oh my God, such a great question. I want to know what was he thinking? Maybe this will reveal to me why Lance is so clutch. And this is what he said. First thing out of his mouth, I wasn't thinking about any of that. He said, I was watching the pitcher and I was trying to pick his hand up as early in the pitch as possible. Like this is so basic fundamental. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so simple stuff that when we get afraid and we're playing to win that we completely forget about. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the fundamentals that, that love is stays focused on that allows it to be so successful. So when says, I was trying to pick his hand up as early as I could. He also said, I knew I only had a, you know, 30% chance of getting a hit. Best best players in baseball. I knew what my odds were. So I was, and, and when he, when he, when he, when I saw his hand uh, and his delivery, whatever he saw revealed to him that it was, he believed it was going to be an inside pitch. He said, when I saw that, I knew all I could do was fight it off for a base hit. And he did. And I'm just thinking, does anybody understand what he just said? Mm. Because most of my life, I would have been standing up there saying two strikes. I've got to win, man. I, I have to. And the last thing I'd have been thinking 
was trying to pick the guy's hand up and see if I could pick up what pitch was coming so that I could do the right thing. I was just been trying to crush the ball. I'm just killing this ball. Mm. And so, and so that was, that's what makes the difference. You know, it's, it's the fundamentals, the simple things, but when you live the loving life, whenever you have a higher calling, you're not playing to win. You're not distracted by all that. That's Mm. all a distraction. Winning is a distraction Mm. and forgotten others. You can really have power, love and a sound mind. So that's what, that's why, that's how it enables you to be more than you ever realized you could be. Mm. Well, Kenny, and I think that that's so revolutionary to even think about because how often do we put ourselves in a big moment where we finally reach the, the place where we want to go, right? So many of our listeners want to work full-time professional athletics, full-time college athletics, and you might just get there at some point in your career. But then what's the response, right? Are you going to be, to your point, living the fearful life where it's more fo- focused on, man, I need to be successful. I've worked for this. This is about me. This is about this and that. Or are you just going to do the things that you practice doing because you love others and you're selfless? And it, it, we don't always think of it like that. We think of, if we're going to win, we have to focus on winning. We have to focus on you know the product as opposed to just the loving life and just the fundamentals of the things that we already know. Um, and I think that's, that's so powerful. I love when I read that in your book, right? And if you want to read more, it, it's all in the book as Kenny said, but it is so powerful um, to process it that way and reframe how we've been taught to think and be in those moments where we finally reach a goal or we reach a place that we want to be and to process it with that loving life mindset first, not playing to win, but playing for the higher calling of playing for God and for love, uh, not just for for the attribute of of winning or or the goal of winning. Um, So really, really well said, Kenny, and I think that's a revolutionary way to understand uh, how we need to approach uh, a career, a, a sporting event, really anything that we do in our lives. Yeah. And Kenny, really want to talk about this question. I think it's so valuable, again, for our listeners working in sports. It, it's an industry that does not have a lot of work-life balance. It's tough to manage when you have so many hours. A lot of coaches work over 100 hours a week, equipment, equipment managers 75 to 100 hours a week. And I've heard it said that love is spelled T-I-M-E. And you actually talk a lot about in the book the relationship between love and time. How can we live a loving life through the time that we have been given? Well, it, it always comes back to, uh, I got something going on. It always comes back to uh, why we're doing what we're doing. Mm. And, you know, and some, some, I mean, sometimes if we're called to coach and, and uh, we're worship, where we're supposed to be or to to facilitate that team in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And the reason we're there isn't to win. It isn't uh, to be the best at what I'm doing, Mm. but it's to be the best for the people I'm around and to, to change lives and to speak into lives, to be a light in the darkness, to, to pay attention to the people, not just the winning and to, speak into their lives and to notice what they're actually battling and what they're actually struggling with and, and make a difference in their life. Um, that's where purpose comes from. There's no, we don't feel our purpose in winning. Like you were saying earlier, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's in why we win. If we just played to win and we win, now we got to win again, mm. or it's empty. You know, everything is, it's all just empty. There's nothing. What was the purpose? Uh, I mean, trophies look good for a little while and then they go in the drawer, you know? So, um, but, but so while we're putting our questions about the time, you know, while we're putting our time into that, 
And what are we sacrificing? I mean, we got to consider what we're sacrificing because if I sacrifice myself, that's love. Mm. But if if I sacrifice, if I'm sacrificing my family to win, that's a problem, mm. right? Now, if if my family is willing to sacrifice with me to love on men or women and make not just winners but better people and life changers and change eternities. Um, that's a whole different game. Yeah. So it, it's why we're doing what we're doing. Why and what are we sacrificing? And listen, every mission requires sacrifice. There's mm-hmm. there's no such thing as accomplishing a mission without sacrifice. Mm-hmm. What fear does is it sacrifices everybody. So if I'm the coach of the team and I want to win, I'm willing to sacrifice my team, sacrifice you, anyone else. Like this is what we got to do. And anything short of this, it's get, you're getting cut or whatever it is, right? So I'm willing to sacrifice anyone to win. Mm. So then everyone is willing to sacrifice each other. If we, if I'm the coach and I lead with love, then I'm willing to be the sacrifice. Mm. And then I model for my team how to be the sacrifice. So a loving team, instead of the coach sacrificing everyone on the team and everyone sacrificing each other, a loving team is a team of people who are willing to be the sacrifice for the people around them. And then they'll, and listen, athletes and business and family and every relationship, people who realize that you love them will give you more than you could ever scare out of them Mm. and longer and better than you could ever manipulate from them Mm. with fear. So love is the way it's just not as easy as the fear stuff. So it's always harder at first, but it pays forever. You know, when or not, if you build a loving team, I mean, there's going to be people calling you up later, you know, changed my life forever, coach. Mm. Um, yeah. You can win forever, and if you if you did it with fear, mm. the dead legacy. Yeah, Kenny, that's so powerful, and, and I think you see, I mean, throughout this podcast, but I think even just reading your book, that a loving life is is not about what we get from the things that we do, and so often that is the goal of of, of everything that we do is what can I get from this? I'm I'm a big mm. runner. I love to run. It's something I do all the time. Um, and, and I realize I'm doing marathon training right now. It's the longest I've ever had to run in my life. And it's, it's challenged me a lot. And I've realized as I've been doing it, as I push myself past the point that I've had to go before, it's revealed to me why I've run. And a lot of the times I've realized I've run for the approval of people around me, being able to share that I run, being able to say, Hey, I'm in good shape, man, being able to brag that I can run farther than that guy over there. And that, that's a fear-led reason. And so that was, as I was reading your book, that was something that I really had revealed to me and really was kind of processing through, you know, why do I do this? And I think we, we all need to understand why we do things. Talk about this previously in the episode, but uh, those whys truly matter. And we need to lead with a, a sacrificial mentality, a selfless mentality, as you've been talking about, especially with our time, especially with our resources and things that we have. Um, so I love, I love that point, yeah. right? Especially in positions. You can choose to run. The beautiful thing about that is if you like to run, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, and, and, and if, and believe it or not, if you choose to run for the right reason, mm. you run harder, longer, and faster. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you, you run to, you run to your death, you know, for, um, 
for the right reason. But to win, you'll only run as far and as hard as and as fast as and for as long as you think you have a chance to win. And the moment you think you don't have a chance to win anymore, you'll quit running. Yeah. And um, yeah. and love will never stop. Mm. And so that's why I love perseverance. If you want perseverance in your life, I hear people talk all the time, this is all the different ways to persevere. They're all fear-led. Mm. The, the only right way to persevere is to have the right why. Yeah. Why you're doing what you're doing. Mm. And it's, it's not what we do that fulfills us. It's why we do it. It's where we find our purpose. And if we have the right why, will persevere yeah that's powerful kenny that's definitely powerful and really processing that why too and discovering that and i, and I think a great why something I, I think is is something that we can process a great why is knowing how much god loves us and therefore the, the things that we do are, are be coming out of that love for god um it's kind of yeah. it's what you talk about in the book and so it's, it's it's a vertical relationship that turns into healthy horizontal relationships and gives us a healthy why so it's well really right. really well said he laid his life down for you. You can live for him mm. and you'll never regret it. Right. And your neighbor, yeah. God says, if you, if you, if you say you love me, but you don't love your neighbor, that you're alive. Mm. And so if you love God and you love your neighbor and, and you get the right, why, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe why do you want to win? You know? And, um, is it, if your why for winning is so that you can lord over people or that people look up to you, all that stuff, it's, mm. it's going to be an empty win. But if your why for winning is so that you can influence people, so you can speak into their lives, so that you can share with them the difference God's love made in your life and what got you there. It's not you, but him through you. Mm. Um, That's powerful. That moves the heart. Yeah. Amen, Kenny. It absolutely does. And Kenny, you might have already touched on it already in the podcast, but I'd love to close by just hearing your advice to our listeners, young professionals ages 18 to 30 years old, who are desiring to live a loving life in their careers and personal lives. Yeah. It's, it's harder when you're young because you got two, you got two things going on. You know, you got one, you want to win and then you got two, you need to win, you know, or you, it's like, you know, you have needs that need to be met. Mm. And so I would say, at least for me personally, it, it's easier now than it was then one, because I understand. And then two, because I have less needs. Mm. Um, so it's, it's going to be hard. Just, that's why I call the book, the right fight. Yeah. I would say, just be willing to, to start fighting, to just dig, fighting to live a loving life and digging for the truth. You know, I mean, it's not that hard to care as much about the guy next to do, to you as you do about your own dream and, and the people around you. It's not that hard to care about them. It's not, it's not that hard to ask people why they did what they did instead of just assuming, you know, why they did what they did and taking their head off for it because yeah. of what it did to you. So it's, it's not, you know, it's, it all starts and ends with Jesus. But, um, but if you can start getting in the fight to live a loving life, I was very late getting in mind. Um, mm. It'll make an enormous difference early on yeah. and you're surrounded by a fear led world. So you want to be a, a leader. You start living a loving life. And you're no longer moving with the masses. You're sticking out like a sore thumb. Mm. And if you're loving the people around you, they're going to want to follow you. Mm. Not, you know, the only people that won't want to follow you are the people who are so afraid of you getting something that they wanted. Um, and then some people will, you know, push back 
against that, but you try to love them too. That's the best you can do. Yeah. And, and don't skip over the little, another thing I tell them is the little things are actually the big things. Mm. Like it's so easy to, to reveal what moves someone's heart because of what they're doing when they think no one's watching or whatever, mm. if it's everybody else is doing it. So if you're, I mean, I know this sound, may sound silly, but these are the little things that are the giant things. If you're walking through the parking lot and there's trash on the ground and you walk by it and you don't pick it up, the place should have been better because you were there. Mm. Why'd you walk by it? Yeah. You know, you're right. If you walk by a basket, you could drag in. So some guy didn't have to drag 40 of them in. He dragged 39 in. He made, well, what difference? Somebody makes, makes a difference. Yeah. But really, it speaks of who you are. Mm -hmm. And who you are will reveal what you become. And so, um, don't skip over the little stuff and yeah. keep Jesus first. Yeah. Kenny, I love that. And, and I think it's, you know, to your point, uh, really understanding the, these little things do matter. And it shows how important living a loving life is and how important it is to, to really trust Jesus first, to empower us to, to live that life and knowing your identity in him, as we talked about before. And Kenny, if our listeners want to dive into this topic more, where can they find your book? Yeah. Uh, the book's called The Right Fight, How to Live a Loving Life. It's on Amazon. It's on it's on Amazon as a Kindle, hardback, paperback, and uh, audio book. Mm -hmm. And then it's also available at shieldsofstrength.com. All the books at shieldsofstrength.com are signed, if that matters to you. But, um, yeah, that's where you can get it. I appreciate that, Kenny. This is what it uh, looks like. That's the book, if you haven't seen it. And so uh, just trying to show everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's, there's lots of illustrations in there. It's, it's very simple. Love is very simple and uh, lots of real life stories to try to help turn the lights on. Yeah, absolutely, Kenny. It's it's an amazing read. Highly recommend you pick that up. And Kenny, appreciate you being on the show today. An absolute pleasure to hear from you. And we are praying for you as you continue to serve the Lord in, in, in your life. Thanks for having me. If you want to get involved with Uncommon Sports Group and the mission that we are on to help you navigate the sport industry as followers of Christ, apply for our academy on our website at uncommonsg.org. That's uncommonsg.org. Be sure to catch new episodes of the Uncommon Podcast every Thursday at midnight Eastern time, as well as the full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you next week.